Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm thrilled to talk with Elizabeth Emmons, her brand new book called Life Admin, How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More is just frankly, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome book. And um, if you're someone who listens to this show regularly, you know this is right up the alley of this show. To be able to learn to do less to learn to do better and to live more is great. But I want to key in on the, the phrase life admin. This is one of those things that just does not get talked about enough, especially when it comes to productivity, that it's not just about being good at the work that you do in your career slash work type realm, but it's also all the administrative stuff that you have to do outside of that for yourself, for your family. And we're not just talking about chores. We're talking about all the stuff that you have to think about and plan about and budget, etc. Like it's all that kind of stuff. So this is a really fun conversation talking about that specifically, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's jump right into this conversation with Elizabeth Emmons. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Elizabeth Emmons. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Eric. So we were talking in pre-show, and I had to tell you that like your book, which I'm, I'll just name it right now, it's called Life Admin, How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More. And if listeners of the show know anything, they know all of those words in the subtitle, as well as even the words life admin, uh, though new to the show, are exactly what this show is about. So I was thrilled to have you on. Oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the conversation, Eric. So I couldn't help but as I was going through the book to think of these words life admin as kind of a – I've never run into that kind of – descriptor of what we're talking about here. And so I'd love for you to give your own definition first of what life admin means to you. So life admin is all the invisible office work that takes up our time. It's the kind of work that managers and also secretaries, uh, you know, aka admins get paid to do in an office, but that we do invisibly and for free in our lives. You know, so it's daily or yearly things like paying bills and doing taxes and aggravating things like lost luggage admin or broken technology admin. You know, big life events can come with a lot of this work, both happy events like a new baby uh, and also uh, painful life struggles like a health crisis for oneself or a loved one or an aging parent. So it's really the stuff of life, but it's also something we frequently don't see or appreciate as work. Uh, and yet people get paid to do this work um, in, you know, in, in work settings, um, but we do it for free in our lives. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but think of this work, though it's not work in the sense of like work that you do in a job or a career. It is, however, really actual work that has to get done. It, it can be someone's job to help do that. It's, it's mm-hmm. the stuff of life. It's, it's not what life is made up of, but it's also part of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't help but think of when I was thinking of the stuff of life, uh, and thinking about the, the book that it somehow connected to the John Lennon line from that song, Beautiful Boy. He says, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, like, yeah. and I, ca- I couldn't help but think, you know, I know what the meaning in that song is, the line in the song is, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it kind of connects, you know, like the busy making other plans is like, you could get so busy sunk down into this life admin stuff that you're not paying attention to the life that is happening around you. You're not engaged with it. Absolutely. And 
part of what inspired this project was my sense as, as someone who has always been interested in, you know, productivity and efficiency and and also in making meaning out of life and out of, of small things, um, that I was realizing that there was a part of me that thought I should just be able to kind of meditate my way out of this work. You know, that if I were really, a, um, you know, a, a more uh, proficient meditator or mm -hmm. something, like this work would just all go away. And it was really meaningful to me to realize that, no, this is actual work that comes at us. You know, we have choices about what we do with with it some of the time and we always have choices about how we do it or how we relate to it but you know if i have my taxes due or my pre-tax dollar you know savings account submissions i have to do for my insurance um, um they're due today you know no amount of meditation is going to make that go away and so i i got a little tired of of this pressure i felt sometimes from outside but often really from myself that it, I don't know, I should just be able to clear my mind and my life of all these details, but they're actually real. Uh, they're actually real. And that was a little bit of a, a relief somehow to see. Well, in, in a number of these things, you know, we could go and we could list off a bunch of different things if we want to, but I think it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. But this is, you know, we're talking about the stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, but you may have to do. It's the mundane tasks. Although, again, you could enjoy some of it. Uh, but again, it's still stuff that has to get done. But it's the type of stuff that in a, quote, workplace, you can hire somebody to do it because the business is, quote, making enough money to hire that person to then be, you know, that you have someone to delegate those things to. But in non-work life, home life or whatever you want to call it, like – this is where people will – and we get it, you get into this in the book. This is where if you can afford it, yes, hiring, for example, a cleaning lady to come uh, once a week or a person that uh, would come and help you do taxes or you know those kinds of things, it's great if you can afford it. But again, a lot of people are like, ah, this is my personal life stuff. I should be able to handle it. Well, and absolutely. So a couple things there. Eric, that you're pointing towards. Uh, one is that only some people can afford to hire help with this. But interestingly, even if you can afford to hire help with this, this is a harder area to find help with and to find good help with because it's very information and, it, and the transition costs, the startup costs to bringing someone on to help, even if you can afford it, may be so great that I interviewed many people who just felt it either wasn't worth it or was too much of a hassle. I interviewed one woman who had actually been a personal assistant and had once had a personal assistant at the same time. Wow. Um, because she essentially in her job was someone's, she was someone's executive assistant, but she also had, you know, a, a neighbor or someone in her life who had recently, you know, hit on hard times who was willing to help her out with stuff. And so for that one month, she had it on both sides. She said it was a, a miracle. It was amazing to have someone helping her who was really, really good at this stuff. And nonetheless, she wasn't willing, even though now she's married and to someone who could afford for her to have help like that, she wasn't willing to go through the startup costs of trying to find someone new. Uh, a number of people I talked to, the people that they used as personal assistants were people they found through serendipity in some way, someone who already was embedded in the so that the transfer costs weren't so high. But the other piece of this is, even if you ha are lucky enough to have the money to afford someone and to find someone great to be your personal assistant, there are the, the, the costs of managing help with things are themselves admin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, right. Admin can be really 
time consuming. And, you know, especially people know this in, a, I think, a much more daily way. Uh, many of us, if we have kids, that if you have babysitters, if you have people who help with your kids, finding those people um, and then, you know, managing them, scheduling them, scheduling when they miss and they're not available, paying them. And then if you, you know, go and do taxes um, for someone, um, that's its own project. And then when they leave you, they still may come back and want references, which is totally reasonable on their part, because I check references for babysitters. But taking calls for references or writing reference letters, I mean, this is a this is a whole broad, you know, job. And somebody in the household is doing it if you're bringing on any kind of help. And that work is almost always invisible. I love what you said about, you know, basically, there's the work that you have to do in order to do the work. <laughs> you have to do the work to get the work done. Um, exactly. I was and I was thinking also there's some of this stuff that's like it's it's repetitive it's it's uh cyclical like there's kind of a predictive amount of work to it but then there's this whole other outside realm of stuff that can enter in at any time that you know any given free moment of your life you could be doing more life admin stuff Absolutely at every moment you know it it could fill um uh, for many of us anyway, it could fill a lifetime. Now, that said, there are real differences in how much admin different people have. Mm -hmm. uh, so I talk about this as I talk about the two great divides around admin. One is around privilege. So the, the uh, admin of people of means is really different from the admin of people um, dealing with poverty. One of my hopes in the book is that I'll be able to help create kind of more admin compassion, um, both that it will be more possible to see uh, how overwhelming poverty is if you see that if you have a pile of mail in your hallway, like I sometimes do, I can I can live with that and nothing terrible is going to happen to me. But if you're on public benefits, you know, you could lose your housing because you don't open your mail uh, for a short period of time. And so it's a lot worse. And yet the compassion piece is I also want us all to be able to see that even if somebody's admin is worse than yours, your admin can still be really painful. Uh, and it still counts. And so the point isn't for any of us to think like, wow, somebody else is worse off. So I should just walk around feeling elated all the time. You know, that's just not possible. Um, but the other big divide is around quantity. And some people are in admin onslaughts. You know, somebody whose spouse has just died. Um, I interviewed a, um, a, a widow who talked about realizing after her husband died that she suddenly there was all this invisible work he'd been doing for their household that she now had to take on. In addition to all the stuff that went with, you know, funeral, the death itself, she had to scale up and she had been an admin avoider until then in many ways. And she had to teach herself how to be a super doer instead. Yeah. Well, OK, so you just mentioned admin avoider and super doer. So let's talk about this. So those are two of the four admin personality types that you talk about in the book. So let's break uh, let's start with super doer. Sure. So to give a picture of them, uh, I think it's helped to, helpful to understand them in relation to each other. So one of the interesting things I discovered from the interviews and brainstorming sessions I did around admin was that we have different admin personalities. And the four that I uncovered are as you started with super doer, and then there's reluctant doer, admin avoider, and admin denier. And the first two are basically doing it or, or getting it done. And the last two are basically not doing it or getting it done. And the differences really lie then in the, how people feel about it. So the super doer is getting it done and feeling pretty good about it. The reluctant doer is getting it done, but really wishes they didn't have to. That's generally my center of gravity. Uh, the admin avoider is not getting it done and is feeling bad about it, usually feeling either guilty towards whoever's doing it instead 
or, uh, you know, embarrassed, or even I heard the word shame from some people about the, the consequences and costs of being so behind uh, in all of this. Uh, and then the admin denier is not doing it, but is actually feeling pretty okay. This is a relatively privileged position, somebody who's generally been lucky enough to have someone or people do this uh, for him or her throughout life thus far, uh, and without really having to ever see it uh, along the way. Um, and so these personalities, both are ways we can understand ourselves, but they also are ways we can derive uh, strategies. So I have a quiz at the back of the book to figure out your admin personality. But then in the individual strategies chapter, it would seem like we'd be learning everything from the super doer. But actually, I found we can learn things from each of the different personalities. Yeah. It, and that we're not necessarily any just one. We're kind of a, a mixture of of these different personality types. Yeah, there are people who are, I think, straight down the line, super doers at work and at home. They're just people who are on top of it and they have a kind of affinity for this work and, and it becomes a good cycle. If you're on top of it, then you're more likely to feel good about it. There are people who are who are consistently uh, one personality, but I think most of us are a mix um, where, you know, for instance, I'm a, an avoider with my snail mail. It seems like nothing good comes in snail mail anymore. And so my general mode is to avoid that. And now I have systems for how I deal with it when I turn to it. But it's still my default mode there is still avoider. With things related to my kids' education, that's something I've always been interested in and cared a lot about. And I even find it a little bit fun. I mean, education, I'm an educator, you know. And so that stuff, uh, relatively speaking, I'm a super doer around. But mostly I'm a reluctant doer. And so that's, you know, in, in the quiz, you can sort of see, you know, your major number is this and that's sort of your center of gravity. And then you can see, OK, I've got a little bit of these other things, too. Yeah. And, and part of the difference, I think, between these personality types or, or perspectives, or I guess I should say the part of the difference that I'm seeing here is the way that they see the work that has to be done. It's, it's their perspective. It's like, because mm -hmm. for me, the obvious um, difference here between, say, a super doer and a reluctant doer is how they view the work. Like, you become reluctant if you really just don't want to do it, or you can kind of I guess even if you still don't want to do it, you can kind of move into super doer mode and say, this has to get done and I'm going to get it done and I'm not going to feel angry about it. In fact, think about how great I'm going to feel once it's done and ease into it and then maybe learn from that experience and be more super about doing it moving forward. Yeah, with the admin that I really have to get done – uh I am interested in ways to to do it and and feel better about it. And so then I do think uh, the super doers are are helpful. I, I talk about optimizing strategies, um, not not perfect strategies, not necessarily systems. Uh, you know, one of the people I interviewed who's a super doer talked about how, in her view, a calendar is a really useful tool that people need, but that the endless search for the perfect app, the people are always looking for new tools. That's the perfect tool, the Mecca of, of solving these problems. They probably, you know, aren't necessarily getting it done. <laughs> They're working so hard to figure out how to get it done better. Um, she says you need a calendar and you need a good to-do list. And, you know, that's her approach, but I'm just saying that there's a, a kind of opt, you know, finding the optimal system for you, I think is what we really need. And that's part of why understanding ourselves uh, is, is the first step to it. And we've talked about that in past episodes here in terms of self-awareness as well as <laughs> the trap of finding the right tool and <laughs> how it's really more about finding and or creating a system that's based on how you best do the work. So mm -hmm. this fits nicely into that, this, this life mm -hmm. admin work 
also is a part of creating that system. We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible. The University of California, Irvine's continuing education programs are a great way to advance your career in as little as six months. This is perfect if you're trying to build a company or start a new career or are just a lifelong learner and enjoy taking courses in a particular field of study that you are interested in. UCI's Division of Continuing Education has been offering education for adult learners for over half a century. They offer online courses with flexibility and an immersive online classroom experience so that you can collaborate with your peers. And the courses are taught by expert instructors with industry experience. They also offer 60 convenient certificates and specialized study programs on campus and online. So again, you're able to advance your career in as little as six months. The spring quarter is coming up and registration is open. You can learn more by visiting ce.uci.edu slash podcast. Again, that's ce.uci.edu slash podcast, where you can learn more and check out the University of California, Irvine's continuing education programs. This episode's also brought to you by JobScan. Did you know that 98% of the Fortune 500 companies use resume filters to screen their applicants? JobScan's founder, James Hugh, found this out when he was job hunting in 2013 and discovered that all these companies were using the algorithm that dreaded algorithm to filter and rank resumes based on keywords. Discovering that, he knew he'd have to tailor his resume differently for each application in order to even get noticed. Out of that, JobScan was born and is not only now helping one person, but hundreds of thousands of people worldwide, giving them the power to apply for their dream jobs. JobScan leverages machine learning technology and is a resume scanner that mimics those filters and helps you optimize your resume using important keywords found in the job description. You'll be able to see which hard skills or soft skills or even buzzwords occur most often and then match your resume and the job description together. And JobScan has a learning center that provides resources to help you land your perfect job from beginning to end. And JobScan Premium gives you unlimited resume scans and access to exclusive tools like LinkedIn optimization, cover letter optimization, and resume format checks. Go to jobscan.co slash promo slash beyond to get 10% off JobScan Premium. That's JobScan, J-O-B-S-C-A-N dot C-O slash promo slash beyond for 10% off JobScan Premium. And this episode's brought to you by Babbel. I've said it so many times now. I took French in junior high and high school and even college, and I always, don't know why, wished that I had done Spanish instead. But luckily, Babbel exists, and Babbel is the number one language learning app that will help me speak Spanish and any other language I choose with confidence. You don't have to pick Spanish like I did. You can choose from 14 different languages, and Babbel will get you up and running quickly speaking a new language within weeks. It's because their teaching method's so awesome. The lessons are only 10 to 15 minutes long. You learn through interactive dialogue and speech recognition technology. And the lessons are created by real people, language experts, and not just a machine. So what all this means is you can perfect your pronunciation, your accent, learn this language using either the app or online, and you can sync your progress across all the devices, which again is why Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in the world. You got to try it out. Go to Babbel. You got to try it out. And you can 
can do that for free. All you need to do is go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com or download the app for free. Babbel, speak a new language with confidence. Drawing from personal experience here or or semi-personal experience, uh, here's a quick story. Whenever in the past my mother-in-law, who lives near us, uh, would come and watch the kids, she would always end up cleaning the house. And mm-hmm. my wife would be like, well, she enjoy- She doesn't have any problem doing the cleaning at our house, but she doesn't mm-hmm. really want to clean her own house and vice versa. Like my wife likes cleaning, you know, she'd go over there and clean her house. And I keep, and so I'd keep saying, well, you guys just need to swap a day where you both go to the other one and then it gets done and it, it may get done faster. It may get mm-hmm. done with less, uh, angst because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing something nice for somebody else versus, Oh, I have to clean my own house. You know, that's so interesting, Eric. That's really interesting. Do you think that's what it is? That, cause you, you could imagine different versions of, of how they might feel. One might be just, it's not my muck. Um, yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's something kind of freeing about that, or maybe it's easier to throw things away that you're not attached to or, but I see the generosity piece, uh, too, could really be part of it. Have you guys, have you really, have you talked with them about what, with your wife about what it is that makes it easier? No, I don't. I mean, I think that it's just, I, I think that it is, like you said, not my muck. I think it's yeah. easy to deny it, become an admin denier about your <laughs> housework because mm-hmm. you're living in it. And so you kind of become blind to it after a while. That's really interesting. You know, it's it's hard to do other people's admin. So I distinguish admin from regular chores. Uh, I think of traditional chores as cooking and cleaning, grocery shopping, where you go to the store and do it, you know, even childcare. Um, each of those had an admin is more the office work piece, but mm-hmm. admin, I mean, you know this because you, you've read the book, but the admin uh, piece of all those chores is the thinking or planning or deciding about that chore. And the thing about admin that makes it challenging to hand off to someone else that makes it sticky, as I describe it, it tends to stick where it lands. Whoever in the household first starts uh, doing a particular task, like calling the exterminator is likely to be the one who owns that task or more likely so is because it's so information heavy. So this is why it's easier to do the dishes in somebody else's house than to make their grocery list. So doing the dishes is the chore making the grocery list or, um, is, is the admin, um, kind of is an admin task. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's a little harder to hand off. You can hand it off, but you have to be thoughtful about the fact that there's information transfer, uh, involved in it. And so this is also how couples often can get stuck in patterns. It's one of the, one of the reasons uh, why I, I did a, a little piece in the, the wall street journal uh, about this, that starts with this story of this couple I interviewed, uh, who like 10 years before the interview, they had had a cross country drive to their new home and they had taken turns driving. One person would drive and one person would call up and set up utilities. And 10 years later, they still divided up their utilities, who paid which ones by who was driving at which time and who was setting up utilities because they <laughs> they stick to whoever starts doing them, right? You're the one who creates the password. You're the one who downloads the app. You're the one who gets the emails and so on or has it on auto pay. And, and those are the simple things. Um, but it can be true for, for big stuff in life too. Yeah. That's a very interesting scenario. I haven't thought about that before. Um, see, and I, and I've kind of stumbled into, I'm, I I don't know. I feel like I'm reluctant and super kind of at the same Mm -hmm. time, depending upon Mm -hmm. what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and actually, uh, I will say 
I, I wouldn't. It almost feels like there's a a, a, mi- a middle ground in between. Uh, like for example, an admin avoider. Uh, I'm thinking particularly. I'm thinking specifically. I should say about like when bills come. So uh-huh. I work from home. I see yeah. the mail show up. I go out and get it. I see that there are bills, and I mm-hmm. put them in a specific place. Mm-hmm. And then I typically will literally open them right up and go online and pay them as mm-hmm. soon as possible. And I think that that's indicative of like experience because I know that if I leave them in a stack somewhere and then they get denied, like they don't, they don't even exist. It was unintentional avoidance turned into denial. Um, and so we've kind of, I've kind of moved it the other way where it's like, I'm, I'm not even reluctant anymore. I'm kind of almost in super doer mode with that where it's like as soon as it comes in i mark it off and get it done because if i don't it just doesn't almost get done or it gets lost and then we're like oh crap we got like a a a late fee in other words you know Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's a great strategy if if that one works for you and, and they come in at a time that you're able to do that. One idea I got, I mean, it's a version of what I describe as bypassing the to-do list altogether. So if there are real-time requests that come in, you can try to take care of them in that moment. So then you never even have to write them down. So if someone says, you know, oh, who is your eye doctor? Instead of saying, oh, I'll email it to you. You can say, just a second, you know, I'll text it to you while you're standing here right now. And then it never lands on the to-do list. And it sounds like in some sense, you're doing a version of that with the mail, which is, I'm just going to go get it, open it, deal with it, and it's done. And then it never goes on a list. Uh, for me, when I come in and then there are kids right there, when I come in, it's it's probably not. In fact, I interviewed a great uh, super doer guy who uh, is, is married to a, a woman who's more of an avoider. And he said one area where he doesn't, he used to pay the bills right away. And then he decided after he had kids, he was going to take them to work the next day. So I'm sure he, I can picture him coming in his house. <laughs> And he, I'm sure he gets them. He opens them and he has to actually exert a force of will not to deal with them right away and put them in his, you know, bag so that he has them the next day at work so that he can spend time with his kids. But so you have to make that choice about, about yourself. But one idea I got from uh, a couple I interviewed um, was to have what they call the current folder. And so in the current folder is where they put those things that need to be dealt with, you know, that are important. So they do open the mail, you know, you open it, you see what it is, you sort it, you sort the recycling, and then anything that needs to be dealt with a bill or whatever goes in the current folder. And then they have regular intervals where they open the current folder. So the opening it, they then at least know how to sort it. And so it doesn't, as you note, land in that unopened mail denier pile, which I have had certainly in my life. (laughs) Well, and one other thing I want to throw out there is uh, I I have found that there was a system that we used to do where it was uh, kind of like having a current folder, but we'd forget to check the current folder. (laughs) So then it was not really, then it would end up not being current. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I just said, well, wait a second. If I have, if if it's going to take me literally two minutes to Mm -hmm. open this, see what Mm -hmm. it is, log Mm -hmm. into the account, push Mm -hmm. a button or two, and it's done, Mm -hmm. that's almost the same amount of time as me opening it and putting it in the current folder, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's already done, and I can just put it in the, uh, to file uh, stack. So, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's great that you found a system for that. That works. A lot of people struggle with their snail mail. I found (laughs) in interviews. It was, it was really interesting to hear how different people's experience of life admin can be. 
And I found that too in doing interviews around the book that I've found interview. I've, I've talked to interviewers who say, I'm just, I want to hear about how we're all failing at this. Cause I'm sure I love that about the book that I found that there are other people who are failing. So I don't feel I'm alone. And then other people who are like, of course, I, I, you know, I'm sure you can just get on top of this and it's not very hard at all. Right. Let's talk about all the strategies we already have for getting on top of this. <laughs> you know, the super doers and the reluctant doers and the avoiders as readers of the book are really different, different kinds of readers. And then I've had a number of interviewers on radio um, who were who were all men who were said on the radio and on live radio, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that my wife has been doing a hundred percent of this and I never even noticed. <laughs> and I'll say, good for you. I bet you'll appreciate you saying that on live radio. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot to be said for thank you. I don't think there's a perfect distribution that can be determined for anybody else's household, but I think thank you. And recognizing it and seeing this work and having it become part of the household understanding of what people are doing and what feels fair to everybody is is super meaningful. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that because even as things have shifted, like my – so what's funny is I have a full-time job. I also have this part-time thing that I do here with the show. And then yeah, – important to a lot of people, right? Exactly. So part-time gig is, is really probably a lot of where your heart is. I mean, I, I don't know what your full-time gig is. Maybe you have two hearts, but you know, <laughs> it's really meaningful what you're doing in your part-time life, right? Yeah. And, and now we're in a season where both my wife, well, my wife has two smaller part-time jobs and she likes doing both of them. And so right. it's like, we, we, we are at, we are now at a position where it's like, you know what? No one person I mean, we, we've moved way past this, like the whole, I mean, the gender equality and all those kinds of things that, you know, it, we can think of any different buzzword you want to think of. All I'm saying is, is my family of four, me, my wife and my, my daughter and my son have to figure out that no one person can do all of it. It's just frankly impossible to get it all done. And so what's the right mixture of you know, like you said with the couple driving across the country like who okay who pays this or who does this or who coordinates that and it's like so and, and with with keeping in mind that sometimes like for example like i'm going to have to step in and coordinate something that usually is her thing because life right. <laughs> right 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 because life happens yeah absolutely and once you see this work there there really are a lot more opportunities to do nice things for other people, you know, and to appreciate someone else. I mean, the thing is, if you spend half your day cooking a meal uh, for someone, for your family, and it's a beautiful meal, it's a celebration, there's a decent chance someone will say thank you. But if you spend half the day at the DMV, uh, there's a really good chance no one will ever say thank you. Or if you spent your entire day cleaning the whole home, uh, and it looked totally different than it did the day before. Somebody might say thank you, but if you managed the person who came in who cleaned the home and made it look completely different, there's a good chance no one would thank you for having found the person, hired the person, paid the person, scheduled the person, and done all those things that went along with it. And so there are a lot of opportunities for appreciation that didn't exist <laughs> before yeah. when you start to see this as real. Yeah, man. You know, yourself. You know, I also had people in my, I had someone in my brainstorming group who said one one brainstorm group I she said she got tired of hearing a lot about couples and what couples do with this and she just said if you're all by yourself you know can you make it better alone you know what can you do um, and there's a lot we can do for ourselves 
uh, including though we can also appreciate ourselves when we do it. And it sounds like you actually have come with this great strategy for the male and you see it now like, wow, I've done something. It's better. You know, it's actually worth doing it. And it is this cycle, as you say, perspective, as you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. And well, and I think it's, I think, uh, you know, a part of it was coordinating with my wife in terms of, and there's definitely lots more work in this area to do. We are not by any means perfect, but we kind of got away from being deniers and mm-hmm. moved up into being an avoider. And then mm-hmm. being reluctant doers and, you know, we're not super doers in any mean by any means uh, with most of the stuff, but at least the stuff gets done most of the yeah. time on time. <laughs> so, yeah, well, and there are people too who were super doers before they had a big life change. It might be a big cha- life change, like getting married and having kids, um, you know, where there are others, but where suddenly they become a reluctant doer because now there's just too much, uh, it feels like to, to get on top of it. And to feel good about it um, or, you know, and and it, there's now bombardment at what I call bombardment admin. That's the stuff that comes at you all day long. Mm-hmm. And that's where, uh, especially if you have kids or you have an aging parent uh, in a difficult situation or a relative who's going through something really difficult and you're the one managing all the affairs related to that. That's the stuff that hits you all day long. And, you know, not many people find that fun or are going to feel really good uh, about that. Now, you can feel good about overall taking care of that for someone and giving that to someone in your life, whether it's your kids or, you know, another family member or friend. Um, but it's, it, it really does disrupt the quality and the texture of your days uh, and the kind of flow that you'd, you'd want to get into. Yeah. Well, I, I can't help but think that maybe we should take a little bit of time here and maybe mention some of the ideas that you have that people can try to start getting, you know, a handle on this and get hours of their life back. Sure. I'd love to do that. Uh, So uh, we talked about, you know, bypassing the to-do list uh, as a a super doer strategy. Um, One, uh, well, I wanted to say when you were mentioning between avoider and denier, uh, one difference between the avoider and the denier is that the avoider says thank you. So the the (laughs) gratitude practice to whoever is getting this done uh, not only is nice because it's good for the person who's being appreciated, you know, and it's good for you because we all know there's research that suggests that, that gratitude is, is really good for us feeling gratitude, but also, you know, people are more likely to do things again (laughs) if you appreciate them. So there is also a a strategic component uh, that can come in uh, for that. Um, Another good avoider strategy is, is trusting. So trusting that the neighbors buy your new home, know when to put the garbage out. So rather than calling up, uh, the sanitation department or looking for a letter going on their website, you just poke your nose out the door each day and say, oh, you know, yeah, okay, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and this you can take to uh, take out into the world more broadly or when you go through an admin onslaught, like I was describing, if you go through something, some really difficult event, uh, you know, let's say your uh, kid has a, a particular unusual disability or you are facing divorce or if you can find someone who's a node someone who really has been through this uh and handled it and ask them really concrete questions about how they've done what they've done what's the first step and i go through some of these questions but you know what's the first thing i should do what do you wish you had known uh those people are you're often likely to find someone who's really uh, not only informed, but happy to download all this information in their head that they never wanted in the first place, um, but that they had to learn and maybe only had to learn to do it once. Um, and so uh, trusting that 
someone near you knows and is uh, willing to help uh, and share their information uh, is another one. You know, a denier strategy is is blocking, and and I know you've you've talked about yes. um, this kind of thing, but. You know, this is the choice to, you know, have 24 hours where you actually turn off your email or to um, have periods where your phone is on do not disturb because this is the window where you're going to get work done. And so you have a, you know, emergency calls can get through, but otherwise your phone's not going to ping at you. Um, Making choices that in a sense say that admin out there for me right now does not exist. In, in that sense, it's a denier strategy. It's a sort of what would the denier that I know of, what would they do with this situation? What they would do is they would block it. You know, uh, one person I talked to said a, a CEO is someone who doesn't do email. Um, you know, but are there ways in your life that you can block, whether it's for periods of time or, you know, as a strategy in relation to your phone um, that will make it stop in certain windows if you have that that privilege and, and you can get away from it uh, and making thoughtful choices about that. Those are those are a, a, a few of the, the strategies. I'm glad to talk about more if you'd like. Uh, these are great. I'm I'm just psyched to hear that, like, uh, there are actually some like uh, we call them. I, I often call them. A lot of people call them this quick wins where it's like, oh, if I do this one thing, like suddenly it releases a pressure valve. And I instantly feel better, which then motivates me to do better more. Absolutely. Consistently moving forward, in other words. So, yeah. Yeah. One, since you have kids, I'll mention um, (laughs) one more in relation to kids, which is helping your kids learn to start owning the admin part of certain tasks and not just the chore. So, I don't know if you have chores in your household, but, you know, my kids are supposed to clear their plates after they eat dinner. And so instead of saying to them, clear your plates, now I'll say, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get up? And my six-year-old will pause for them and he'll say, clear my plate. And I'll say, yes, good remembering. Um, and, you know, when they help me remember something, like to pick up our farm share from the school that's the school fundraiser and bring it home on Wednesdays, we do the remembering dance. Um, and so, you know, it both celebrates the remembering, reinforces them remembering and helping me. So I, it helps support my remembering to do that thing when I'm trying to remember five different things at the same time. But also it helps give them a sense of, of owning a task, which is part of how we can um, really see the admin, get better at it uh, and um, take it off each other's plates. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I kids in the whole thing, like again, because of the whole, there's a difference between Oh gosh, I, this just this just hit me. Uh, the difference between say chores and admin, uh, kids are better at being well. For the most part, they can be. This is just an assumption I'm making. Can be better at given being given a chore and doing the chore. The problem is is that the admin of organizing those chores is then on the parents. Yeah. So then it's more work for us. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is a way both to help your kids get better at this. I mean, you know, in, in the land of developmental um, psychology, you know, this is this is executive functioning. Uh, so you're helping kids develop their ability to organize their lives and make plans um, and hold tasks in their mind. But yes, you're also shortening your to-do list. You know, there are fewer things to do and say that are annoying things for you to do and say if your kids uh, begin to remember themselves um, to start to do those things. And so that's when it was really striking when, when my six-year-old was the one who reminded me about the farm share. I picked him up and went and he said, the farm share. And I said, yes, the farm share. <laughs> Good remembering. And that's like a nice, that's a nice moment when your kids are, are remembering 
uh, to do those things. Uh, so that can make it better for, for all of us. Yeah. Well, there's so much more that we haven't even touched on that's in the book. And I would love to direct people to where they can get it. Um, do you have any particular place that it's uh, your preference? Uh, the book is should be everywhere. You know, it's on it's in your local bookstore, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, online. Uh, the my website elizabethemmons.com has the list and links, including to the audio book. Which for those of us who that's often how I only way I take <laughs> yes. the book some of the time. Um, I had to audition for the part of of reading it, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was kind of funny. But I got the part, which I was really I was really happy about. Yeah, so it it should be the book should be uh, all over the place. Um, I will say because we were uh, talking about this earlier, um, I, I just want to add in. I I pulled up. The, my favorite quote uh, that I've gotten from someone <clears throat> responding to the book that relates to this question of time management uh, and life admin and the ways it's been invisible. So uh, Oliver Berkman in his column in The Guardian said that life admin, it's apparently invisible even to the authors of most time management books, which is what makes Emmons's book um, so refreshing. I've lost count of the times I've been advised to strip down my to-do list so that my discretionary time contains only deeply meaningful activities. But that's like a follower of Marie Kondo inspecting a toilet plunger and asking, does this spark joy? The answer is no, but chuck it out and you'll be in trouble. <laughs> and so in that sense, I was like so relieved to have someone read that and, and kind of get it, you know, that that this is the thing. Like I, as a person who meditates, I, I direct a, a meditation program. Like I, I care about all that stuff. But the number of times I, I had been told to kind of, you know, just let go of everything as if it would really go away was uh, a little exhausting. So that was a meaningful part of where the book came from. Yeah, man. Again, this is one of those areas people don't necessarily pay attention to enough, I think. And yet it's one of those, th those, pl those areas, those places in life where uh, a lot of your energy mentally, physically, emotionally can get drained by. And it's great to have more awareness and even then an action plan to get up on top of it and, and actually, uh, do this admin stuff, but not have it be overwhelming. So, uh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here. This has been great. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for having me. And just to mention too, I've collected some of the ideas to try at the back of the book to try to make it easier too, so that one doesn't end the book or never make it through the book and, you know, wonder what, what can I do? Are there actual things I can do? Cause these books can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming. So I yes. hope that's as well. Practical application is always a best practice when it comes to books. <laughs> Authors, take note. So <laughs> thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Eric. I really enjoyed talking with you. Well, that's another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I hope that however you were listening to this, that maybe you were listening to it as you were doing life admin activities. I don't know. I would love to hear back from you, though. I'd love to know where you listen to the show. Is it in the car? Is it on the treadmill, like I listen to a lot of my podcasts? Is it uh, out for a walk? Or is it doing dishes? Is it mowing the lawn? That's another place where I do a lot of podcast listening. Not this time of year, but I would love to hear your struggles and or your place of listening for podcasts because I just find it interesting. So let me know. You can find the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 259. There you will find the ability to leave a comment and let me know. Or you can always reach me by going to beyondthetodolist.com slash feedback. But I would love to hear from you. While you're at the show notes, I would love for you to share this episode with somebody you know needs to start thinking about this very topic. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode. 
Beyond the To Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.